Thank you so much for tuning in to our church podcast. You can go to atarapentecost.com for questions about services and how to donate. We pray that you are blessed by this message today. God bless. Praise God. Thank you, worship team. Amen. And welcome. Welcome to the house of the Lord on the first Sunday of October 2022. Amen. Last couple of years have been quite the ordeal, huh? But here we are. Still open for business. Amen. And we're looking forward to baptizing Sister Alma. Amen. In the only name, the only name that brings salvation to a person's life. And if you have never been baptized in Jesus' name, we encourage you. Amen. Something that is a absolute must in life. All right, we are going to call your attention this morning to the book of Matthew, chapter 27, verse 43, and then we're going to go to Genesis 28, and uh, we're going to read two verses, 20 and 21. Praise God. All right, Brother Cliff, can you do the light thing? See if it's programmed to to do what is supposed there you go now we're talking all right here we go Matthew 27th chapter verse number 43 and we'll get more into our storyline here but just as scripture it says he trusted in God let him deliver him now if he will have him if he will have him for he said I am the Son of God. And Genesis chapter number 28, 20 through 20 and 21. Jacob vowed a vow saying, If God will be with me. If God will be with me. And will keep me in the way that I go. And will give me bread to eat and clothes on my back. 21, so that, it so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. I'd like to speak to you this morning on this thought. If you will have me, if you will have me, oh God, if you will have me, if you'll have me, Keep me in the way. Give me bread to eat. Clothes on my back. Amen. Praise God. One more time, if you would, lift your heart to the Lord. And uh, we're just going to pray here for just a moment. We have uh, several people that are attending general conference today. I don't think it starts today, but... Do remember to pray for general conference and everything that's taken place in Orlando, Florida. 
Hallelujah. Most Heavenly Father, we thank you for this assembly that is here today. You know every heart, you know every soul, God. It is an ordained assembly. Not nearly by coincidence, nor by accident, God, but you have drawn us here together for such a time as this. We ask, Lord, that you would anoint us, God, and help us, Lord, amen, to speak your word. And we promise you that we will give you the praise that you are deserving of. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, Lord bless you. You may be seated. Thank you, Mike. Let's uh, just take a look here at what's taking place in Matthew 27. We know the story, of course. We've read it, reread it, and read it again. It should never get old. It should never get commonplace. It should always be there as a reminder that you and I are here today because of a great price that was paid. A great price that was paid. Amen. Jesus has been betrayed, convicted of being innocent. Throw that in there. That's the only thing he was convicted of, is being innocent. He was beaten, slapped around, they spit on him, put a crown of thorns on him. Now he is nailed to the old rugged cross. And the mindset of these folks that were standing there and Matthew records these words, the mindset of such individuals, to me, it's, it's not a whole lot lesser degree than what they're doing in today's world. But the mindset, these were not just any old group of people, these weren't the you know, the homeless, these, these weren't the ones that were down and out. These were the chief priests. These were the Pharisees, we're told. These were the elders. This was the religious influencers of the day. They had been there. They had made several accusations when even during times on the Sabbath, they had watched him. They had experienced what it felt like when he did miracles in their, in their sight. They had witnessed it. Now they had witnessed something that was, they say, it was the breaking point. Now there was these, a group that had made their way back to the city of Jerusalem earlier on in this chapter, and Lazarus had died. We know the story. He had been dead for four days. And Jesus went there after he had been dead four days. He simply spoke his name. 
simply spoke his name, Lazarus, come forth. No hesitance, no lapse of time, no meetings had to be conducted in order for the man that was standing at the tomb for him to speak those words and the very dead themselves have to answer. There was no question as to who had the authority that day. He said, Lazarus, you come out of there. We're told that he came out of that grave in his grave clothes. I don't know how he waddled out of that tomb, but it was a sight to see. And a group of people, they ran to these, this religious group and they said, Oh boy, now he's done something that is not even, I mean, what are you going to do? We were at the funeral. And he's come out of the, he raised him from the dead. And we're told that Caiaphas was the high priest at that time. And he, uh, he made a prophetic statement, not even realizing what he was saying that day. But he said, hey, either we have to kill this man or the Romans will come because he is starting what they believed to be a movement that was going to overthrow the Roman government and he was going to establish a new kingdom on earth. And Caiaphas, the high priest, you know, the one that would go behind the curtain once a year on behalf of the people and drop the blood behind the curtain and God would answer off that mercy seat. That man. He would say, it would be better here. Here's how we solve this dilemma. It would be better if we kill that man. For one, better for one man to die for a nation of people than for us. You read it. I'm paraphrasing, but trust me, read the scriptures. He said it would be better that we kill him than for him to start this movement and we lose our nation and our position. Whoa. Now they have carried out that plan. Caiaphas didn't know that he simply was fulfilling the prophetic word of God. He didn't know that, but trust me, no matter what side you were on, either good or evil, there's no in-between this morning. Either you're on the side of Jesus Christ this morning, or you are fighting a losing battle, and it's called evil this morning. You may not see it that way. You may not see yourself as being in that group of people, but trust me, there is no in-between. You are either for Him or you are against Him. It doesn't matter the title that you have in life. And here we have it as Caiaphas put his, he put his foot in his mouth and 
Now they, they had carried this through and he was hanging on the cross. He was hanging on the cross and now they were ridiculing him. Now they were challenging him. If you really are who you say you are, then come down from the cross and save yourself. And if you are the king of Israel, and if you are the son of God, let's see God deliver you if he will even have you. I don't know, Brother Grant, if you can put up there real quick. I have to read this because I, I don't know if we'll get beyond this part of my message this morning, but it's something I feel compelled that in the hour that we live in, that you and I, we need to understand. It's not about the idea that if, if God would accept the sacrifice that, that was presented on the cross of Calvary this morning. No, sir. The question is, God, will you have me? The question is, God, do you really want me to be a part of your family? Let me read to you. Isaiah 53, 1 through 12, if they can put it up there. You see, we forget sometimes that if we, could, if we could somehow be drawn back to that place called Calvary, they touched on it here a little bit this morning, but listen to me, the, the, the message of the cross, it, never, it is the power, that, that message of the cross and, and the one that's hanging on that cross, it is the message, it is the power of salvation that only comes through the shed blood that the Son of God is who is hanging on that cross. There is no other way. You have to have that blood atonement to cover your life or that death angel will not pass you by. If not, I'll, I'll read it here. Isaiah 53, 1 through 12. Okay, here we go. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up. This is, the, this is the prophecy about taking us to the moment of time that we're witnessing that I read to you. Listen carefully. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, at 30 years of age, 33, and as a root out of a dry ground, coming out of nowhere, coming out of Bethlehem, coming out of Nazareth. He hath no form, no comeliness. He's not wearing a crown of gold. He's not making a name for himself. He's stepping back. He's washing feet. He's, he's bringing healing to the lepers. He's touching those that are lame and giving them life back into their limbs. He's touching the deaf and the blind. He's a servant of all. He has no form or comeliness. And when we shall see him, hold on, you went a little bit too fast. 
when we shall see him. There is no beauty. He doesn't wear the best suits. He don't have the best sandals in town. He don't have the, the, the right, uh, whatever, the right uh, color of hair, whatever. He doesn't have the right height. He's just nobody coming out of nowhere. He should, there's nobody that's, that has any desire to be drawn to him. He is despised. And he's rejected of man. He's a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our grief. He carried my sorrow. Yet we did not esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded. If he will have, if God will have, if God will accept the sacrificial lamb hanging on that cross, let him come down. No, it's not about him coming down to save himself. It's about him giving his life to save you and to save me. Because he was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. Not maybe. The same blood that redeems you. The same blood that was shed to cover your sins. It's the same blood that brings healings to your body. No, we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. It's not about if he can come down. It's about that he told him. He says, if I be lifted up. He said, I will then be able to draw all men unto myself. He was oppressed. He was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Are you with me? Are you with me? He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he opened his, not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare this gener his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgression of my people. For the transgression of my people. For the transgression of my people. He was stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. He was innocent. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Two more verses. He shall see of the travail of his soul, 
Father, let this, this cup pass from me. If possible, I do not want to drink the transgressions of the wicked. I don't want to taint my body. I don't want to accept the sin that is required for me to save you. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death. He was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for you and for me. There, the religious people of the day, they had the gall to look at the Son of God hanging on the cross of Calvary, that they, after they had, after they had abused that body so much, the Bible says, that he was marred beyond recognition. The Bible says that when you see him, if you could see him hanging on that cross, he barely looked human. And they said, oh, if you are who you are, then come out of that, come down from that cross. They forgot that Jesus told them when they arrested him in the garden. He said, you don't take my life. He said, I willingly lay it down for the sheep. He says, and I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it up again. And he said, and by the way, he said, don't you know Peter put up that sword? Peter just struck an ear off and says, Peter put up the sword. He says, don't you know that if I wanted to, that I could pray and the Father would bring down 10,000 angels to my rescue? But here they were. They had judged him in their supreme court. And the high priest, scribes, well-educated, doctors of the law. The elders were probably the leaders of the local synagogue. But oh... They need to just remove the if. And they need to, we need to declare today that Jesus Christ, He is the King of Israel. He did come one time to save my soul. He did come one time as the Lamb of God to take away my sins. But I'm here to remind us that he is coming again. The next time he comes, it's not going to, he's not coming as a lamb 
that is going to be slain. He's coming as a victorious lamb. He's not going to be riding the cold of an ass this time. He's going to be riding a white stallion. And he's going to be coming with 10,000, not angels, but 10,000 of his saints. He's coming as the king. He is the king of kings. He is the King of Kings. Pilate had already asked the question, Are you King of the Jews? Jesus responded, You got to love the way they worded here. He didn't say, Yeah, man, I'm. The, he says, It's as you say. It's as you say. That's all. He told them already, He says, Search the scriptures, folks. Scribes, Pharisees, elders. Search the scriptures for the one that is hanging on the cross. That He is the one that is doing what He's doing to give you eternal life in a place where there is no more death. That death has lost its place. There is no more war. There is no more sickness. There is no more tear. That's why he's there. But the question is, oh God, will you have me in my decrepit state? That's good news. He looked down at those Roman soldiers. He said, Father, get them. And I mean get them now. Now, what kind of an individual would do that? Say, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Forgiveness is so challenging sometimes when people say bad things about you and when people hurt you emotionally and, and so on and so forth. It's so hard, but who are you not to offer the greatest gift that you have to offer another person? And that is forgiveness. Who are you to withhold that inside of yourself? The question shouldn't depend. Will, will God accept that sacrifice? Will, will, no, he, he's not coming down from that cross. He is there because the question that I ask today and that we all should ask, will you, will you have me, God? As I'm looking at that place called Calvary, Brother Block, will, will Jesus, will he have me in my broken state, in my sinful nature? Will he have you in your brokenness and though your, your hurts and your, your, your scars that you've had from from different challenges of life, 
there's maybe you've been divorced, maybe you've been broke, maybe you're this one left you and that one left you, maybe the kids have gone sideways on you, maybe you're suffering in health issues, maybe you're having brain disorders. I don't say that like I'm just I know a few folks that have brain disorders, okay? Joking, okay, that's but no, no, no. We'll, the question is, will we'll, God, will you have me? Will you accept me today? You really want me and your family. How many of you want? No, I better not. No, here, here's a winner. How many of you would, wouldn't mind having Brother Brian in your family? Look at all the hands go up. I didn't ask for me, okay? I'm just. The question is, if, you, if you'll have me, Lord. He will. I have so many things wrote down here, but I, I don't have time. Just simply, we're told by one man's disobedience, sin entered the world. By one man's obedience. Even the death on the cross, many are made righteous. Oh. Oh. Yeah, God can accept you if you obey the gospel. If you repent, be baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of your sins. And God will fill you with the Holy Ghost to give you that boom in life. Yeah, he will. And here's, here's the thing. Because of what he did on that cross, when, after you've been baptized in his name, guess what? When he sees you, when he sees you, he looks down on you and he sees a righteous son and a righteous daughter. What happens if I sin? You have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. He is my lawyer. And he stands alongside with He says, not guilty. Not. He's, he's been covered by the blood. He is not guilty in my sight. That doesn't mean harboring sin. That means living a repentant life. That means having a heart that is tender toward God. That is allowing God through the, the, the drawing and the convicting power of the Holy. That's allowing Him to work inside of you to transform your heart so you don't become rebellious. That's what repentance does. Repentance drives you to a place where once again you are at the foot of that cross and you understand that you are nothing without the power of that one hanging there on that cross and he will he will forgive you it's not a matter of if 
The if is gone. It's a done deal. He will forgive you. He has forgiven you. He will continue to forgive you. He wants you to be a raptured saint of God when He calls the church home. It's not that He is looking to defeat you. He wants to take you up. He's not bringing you down. He wants to take you up in that glorious church. Whereby we receive the the adoption of sons and daughters into the heavenly family of God. Caiaphas, he's not coming down from the cross. But you hang around that tomb. It's Friday. You hang around that tomb for just a couple days. And we'll see. We'll see, not him coming out down from the cross, but you're going to see him coming out of the tomb of the dead. Because he told them, he says, you destroy this temple three days. I'll raise it up again. He says, no one takes my life. I willingly lay it down for my sheep. He says, and I have power to lay it down. And he says, and then I'll show you power to raise it up again. You and I live in this body of flesh. It gets old. It gets tired. And ultimately, it will wear out should the Lord tarry. But it is not my eternal abode. This... The dead in Christ will rise first, but I am fixing my eyes upon my redemption day because what I see taking place in the world today, if I live to be a hundred, which I plan on doing, I believe that I will make the rapture. I'm going to feel, I'm going to hear that trumpet And I'm going to feel whatever it is that this body responds to. And I shall and you shall be changed in a quick moment, in a twinkling of an eye. We're going to rise and meet them in the clouds. It's not an if. It is an absolute. Hang around Caiaphas and you're gonna, you are in big doo-doo, my friend. Because when he comes out of the tomb, what then will you do? How are you going to stop that message there, Caiaphas? Good luck. How ironic. In John 19, 19, we find that Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross. The writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. It says, and many of the Jews read that inscription for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. And it was written in Hebrew, in Latin, 
and Greek. In other words, for the whole world to understand that inscription on that cross, that was the king's epitaph. That was the king's words to you and I. We look at that cross, sure we understand that it took a, a sacrifice that nobody could give except him. But when we're looking at it, that is my king. And he paid a great price to, be, to redeem me so that you and I, as the Bible declares, that we are now a holy nation. We are princes. We will be kings. We will be rulers. Not here on this earth, but in the one to come. We're going to close here with this, but I want to call your attention. I want to call your attention to the book of Genesis, and I had other stories. I, I just don't have time, but notice this. I love this. God, if you will have me, but it doesn't end there, does it? Because Jacob said, Lord, He'd had, he running for his life, you know that. He had the dream. And then he said, Lord, if you'll be with me. If you'll be with me. God had already introduced himself as the God of his granddaddy Abraham and so on and so forth. And he had seen him at the top. Oh, yeah, he's seen him at the top. And he says, I am the God of your daddy and granddaddy. Jacob woke up and he said, oh, my goodness. I have been in a place, an awesome place, in the presence of God. As you stand with us here today. He said, I have been in an awesome place today, tonight, right now, first Sunday, October. He said, and oh, Lord, he says, if you will be with me. It's called commitment and dedicating your life to God. You've heard my testimony so many times. It was on an Easter Sunday. Drunken stupor from the night before. Mike Sponsler, Wayne Clemenson. I want to say they knocked on my door, but they pretty much had to kick it in to get me, drag me out of my drunken state as I had told them I was going to church with them. I walked into an awesome place. God had been dealing with my heart for so long. And it took a prodigal. It took a prodigal. It took a felon. It took an arm 
rob or a heroin addict. But I went to that, I went, I walked into that church and I'd been in what I thought was pretty cool places before, you know. Concerts of Led Zeppelin, The Who, The Rolling Stones, Rock Band. But, oh my goodness. There was something that touched my heart that day. And I didn't even have to put drugs inside this body to feel it. I was watching people lift their hands, Brother Jacob. And being kind of weird like we did when we were at concerts, you know. I thought, whoa. And I looked at I looked at that man and I said, if God has done in his life what he tells me he has done, I think I would be happy too. And I went back to my house. If you call it that, a $75 shack I was living in on the ditch bank. Walked in there. Windows were broken from the night before. Cigarette butts and trash on the floor. Empty keg of beer in my kitchen. I said, God, if you will, if you will be with me, If you'll be with me, God, and if you will, not in so many words, but if, if you'll put clothes on my back, and if you will give me food, and if you will give me peace and joy that I've been searching for, then you will be, I will serve you with all of my heart, and I will commit my life to you, and I will never return back to this place again if you will be with me. And if you will have me, God, I will serve you. You may think that's just a, just a nice story. No, that's, that is my story. I promise you, He has been with me. He has given me things, family. He has provided for me. He's put the clothes on my back. He has put the food on my table. And my prayer is that, oh God, I hope, I pray, that I have sought your kingdom first in all of it, because I know that there, there comes times of prosperity in lives that we tend to get a little vain, and we want more of this and more of that, and I want a nicer this and a nicer that, but no, sir, it is all about, oh God, what you did for me was just so absolutely ridiculous. How can I turn down an offer like that, Lord? You became poor and you made me rich and I am going to be so filthy rich one day because I'm going to be with you.
Will you have me? How about the blind man? How about the leper? How about the lady caught in adultery? How about the tax collector? How about the man that would deny him three times in one night in his most trying hour? Will you still have me? Yes, I will still have you. I will still be with you every step you take. Every step you take. Solomon had dedicated the temple. His prayer in chapter 6 was powerful. You'd have to read it. Solomon finished praying. Fire came down from heaven, consumed the sacrifice, and the glory of God filled the temple. Chapter number 7 sums up. God said, Solomon, I heard your prayer. I heard your prayer. Here is my promise to you. If I shut up heaven so no rain falls. If I command the locusts to devour the land. If I send pestilence and plague among my people. If my people that are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. That promise is is intact today, folks. Whatever you need this morning, wherever you are at in life, wherever you are at in your relationship with God, whether you are intact or whether you are a broken vessel, there is the presence of God here today with the promise of His Word that He will accept you just as you are and He will transform you into becoming a light and a shining light on planet Earth for His glory. If you have a need this morning, if you will come here to the front, we will anoint you and we will pray for you and with you. If you are here today, I challenge you to come. I challenge you to renew, renew your vow to God. How many of you came the night you repented of your sins, the night you were baptized, the time God filled you with the Holy Ghost? Oh, come on, I know. I said, God, if you will, if you'll, if you'll take me. If you'll be with me, I will serve you. How about it? Are you serving him with all of your heart today? Is the fire of God still burning in your soul? Are you still living a life that is pleasing to him? Are you still on fire for God? Are you still an evangelist out there in the marketplace? Is this message still powerful enough for you to give away? Would you come this morning? If you need prayer, we're here with you. We'll pray with you and for you. It don't matter what your need is today. It doesn't matter what your need is today, folks. 
The price has already been paid. The price has been paid. Come on, that's it. Come on. Come on, that's it. Come on, every. If you're a guest here this morning, we're not going to, we don't want to pressure you, but we invite you to come to the front and to, to call out the, on the name of Jesus. And maybe it is today that He wants to do something miraculous in your life today. That's it. Come on. Let's just let's spend just a few minutes. And we're going to go back and we're going to baptize Sister Alma. But that's it. Let's lift our hearts. Hallelujah. If you need special prayer, special prayer. If you'll come right down here, right here to the front of the pulpit here. We'll anoint you and we'll pray for you. Where's my oil? Thank you. Come on. Hallelujah. All right, we got people that need special prayer. Come on, folks. Come on, let's turn it on. Let's turn it up a notch. Come on. Heavenly Father, mighty God, we love you, Lord. We thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you for your stripes, Lord. We claim the healing, God, according to your action, Lord, and according to our trust and belief in you. In the name of Jesus we pray. Hallelujah.